pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's it's a saint to be able to expose that, and it would turn into a shootout that ultimately the Saints would win. Instead, John Gruden came in with the game plan that was really masterful, and I was stunned. I was stunned to watch every second of that go down, and, and really immensely proud not just to be a Raiders fan today, but as somebody that was born and raised as a kid in Vegas. I mean, what that moment meant for that city that's had such a rough 2020 because of everything going on in the world. I think it was really, you can't, you can't put that significance into words. So it was a really, truly special night for Las Vegas, for Vegas fans, and for Raiders fans. Hey, Jason, everything that's going on in the NFL, so many scoring touchdowns, so many dynamic quarterbacks, it seems like the Steelers and the Ravens and Buffalo are the only teams that are attempting to play defense this season. What say you about the offense, a potency of teams in the league this year? That's a really great question because it's one of the more surprising things to me. And, and frankly, I've talked to a bunch of our experts to try and figure it out. I mean, we're used to the concept of defense usually as ahead, especially at the beginning of training camp. I was watching the Thursday night game last week with Mike Golick Jr. And he was talking about usually the first couple of days in camp when you go one-on-one drills, the defensive line is always leading the offensive line. But for some reason, that hasn't been the case this year. And what we've seen, if you really – sit there and watch the big guys up front, you've seen that there's been less lane responsibility coming from defensive linemen. So it feels like guys aren't necessarily playing as disciplined as they need to up front from the pass rush. And so without a generated pass rush, it just feels like the way they've spread out these offenses and the sort of college concepts that have come in are just giving quarterbacks the opportunity to get rid of the ball quickly. They're doing it efficiently. So I've been really surprised, and I'm not sure when it normalizes. It will normalize at some point. But it's going to take teams being willing to take risks and really press up on receivers. So I think that's going to be a trend for the next several weeks, maybe the next uh, first half of the season. And as long as it's happening, it's really making for, you're right, video game football where defensive teams can't win just because they have good defense. ESPN's Jason Fitz with us here on the Justin Kidder Show with Kev Nash. Saquon Barkley, Nick Bosa, there was, I believe, the last I counted, 15 season-ending uh, injuries uh, the first couple weeks of the season already. I mean, that's obviously, we've seen, was it, how many years ago was it, Jason, where there was just seemed like every big name out there was just getting hurt left and right. It's kind of having that same feel right now as we start the season. Is that because of lack of preseason or no preseason, I should say, or is it just the nature of football? Well, you know, I think a lot of us are going to argue right now that it's the lack of preseason and ramp-up time. I mean, the practices have been so different. Uh, Sarah Spain that I work with at night, I mean, I think she makes a good point that let's get a little bit more sample size because it could just be one of those years. But you're right. It was 2016 when all the quarterbacks started just dropping like flies. And the funny thing is we will remember that not only was that an election year, which uh, takes attention away, but with all the quarterbacks, uh, being hurt, it, ratings were down. And I wonder if it'll have the same effect here because you're not just talking about season-ending injuries. You're talking about season-ending injuries to stars. When you've got guys that are candidates to be on the cover of Madden that are suddenly gone for the entire year for major teams that are expected to be able to make a push, I mean, that's when you start looking around and say, man, that is rough. If you're a 49ers fan, I mean, are you really going to keep be excited to continue to watch uh, if, if your team is decimated? So, I'm interested to see what the effect of that is over the course of the season for the NFL because obviously, you know, with everything else going on and the amount of sports that are going on right now and the fact that, you know, just because as we always have on election years, attention is being paid to other things. 
I wonder what the what the trickle effect will be towards the conversation around the NFL this season. Jason, I want to switch over to college football real quick. We got the SEC getting ready to kick off this weekend. Uh, we already the Big 12 has been playing football. ACC has been playing football. We got the Big 10 coming back later in October. But my biggest question is uh, when a player tests positive for COVID in the ACC, they're out 10 days. But in the Big 10, it's three weeks, 21 days. How do you see that having an effect on the college football season? Well, that's also an awesome question because one thing, you know, I had the opportunity a couple of years ago to go to Dallas and be a part of the mock playoff process. And one of the things that really stunned me when you're sitting in the room and the way they do it, they had 13 of us in there just like the playoff committee. They had the same committee chairs and everybody's running it and we're voting on an old season. They pick an old season, we just argue it and we have it out over it. One of the things that is a real conversation for the playoff committee is injury. So a loss, not all losses are, are treated equally. I mean, for example, if a team loses a game but they didn't have their starting quarterback for the second half, that loss is treated a little differently by the committee. What are they going to do when they're looking at the fact that, to your point, the ACC doesn't have the same waiting period? But the other side of it is the Big Ten is going to have daily testing mm -hmm. for all of their players. So they believe that they can get around some of the contact tracing issues. So you may see less players that are suspended, but they're suspended for longer. So how does that affect everybody in this process? And the Big Ten has no wiggle room to make up games. So... I think it's going to have a massive effect, and I genuinely, I, I am thankful I'm not on the playoff committee <laughs> this year. I don't know how they're going to normalize it to figure out who should go and who shouldn't go. What I do know is that no matter what decision they make, college football fans will be mad, and I think they'll have a pretty good argument for it because there's no clear-cut, concise way that everybody's dealing with this. When, do you know when the first uh, college football playoff poll comes out? The college football playoff poll, uh, mid-November, it's a couple of weeks later. It's usually uh, the Tuesday after Halloween or right around yeah. Halloween, and it's mid-November this year. Okay, I wasn't sure because of the Big Ten starting late. I wasn't sure how they were going uh, to do that. And I think that's obviously going to be key as well. I mean, obviously with the Big Ten just announcing that they're coming back, it's going to be strange watching like almost a month plus of football before the Big Ten actually kicks off at this point. But just how big is it for football that, of course, not just the Big Ten is now a part of the, the party as well, but mainly getting a championship contender in Ohio State when really looks like it's just a head-on collision waiting to happen in the national championship game with Ohio State and Clemson. Well, I, and I think, guys, that frankly, A, you're right about that. It does look like it's a collision course. And, and last year, you know, I had the opportunity last year to travel with game day and uh, for the digital work that I do, and I'm still hosting Countdown to Game Day, which you can check out the ESPN app uh, on uh, Saturday mornings before game day from 830 to 9. And so I'm working a lot with the game day team. And last year when we were standing on the sidelines, we were watching all the Clemson-Ohio State action. The conversation even then was, man, next year this is going to be a battle, right? I mean, everybody's had their eyes on it. You know, but the other side of it is I think college football needs it. I mean, the weekend or the week, the matchups for the first couple of weeks have been bad. And I think what we've seen so far is that Clemson's really good, but the rest of the ACC is not living up to the hype. North Carolina is not as good as we thought they would be. I think we're overhyping what, uh, you know, where Miami is right now. And even Notre Dame hasn't looked as fast as we thought. And then the Big 12 feels like it's Oklahoma, maybe Texas, and then a bunch of nobodies. So, you know, I think right now college football is starved for the SEC and the Big Ten to get back just because maybe we'll get some competitive matchups. And it only takes one slip-up by a Clemson or an Oklahoma, and there's going to be a real opportunity, I think, for two teams to get in from one conference. So if I'm a Wisconsin that's looking around and saying, hey, don't sleep on me, I mean, I think there's going to be opportunity for that. The Big Ten coming back is finally going to give us better matchups, and we're desperate for that right now. Everything going on inside the NBA bubble, obviously. It's a big game tonight, Lakers. Nuggets, they had their hearts broken by AD with the buzzer beater the other night. 
Will Denver be able to pull what they did in the first round versus the Jazz, what they did to the Clippers? Will they be able to come back and defeat the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals? I mean, this is where I, I say no, but this is also where I also have to be like, I'm always honest with y'all, right? Like, I, I missed this the first two rounds. I mean, I didn't think the Nuggets had it in them to come back from down 3-1, but for me, this all goes back to a year ago right now when we were sitting on ESPN Radio telling everybody, this is the year of the dynamic duo. And the best dynamic duo in the league clearly belongs to the Lakers. So as, as much as I love what Denver's doing, I, I'm looking at the Lakers who got surprisingly good coaching this season out of Frank Vogel because none of us knew what to expect. And then you're looking at a Lakers team that clearly has the two best players. I just think their path to the championship is, is a clear one this, at this point. So I, I think the Lakers are going to win. But at the same time, I mean, I, I remember in the last game, what, the Lakers were up by 12 at one point. I'm looking around thinking, all right, this is what we expect. And the Nuggets have a level of fight in them we've never seen. And it's like that little brother that just keeps getting up and begging for more. And, you know, so I won't count them out of anything, but I do think the Lakers are going to win this series. All right. We have ESPN's Jason Fitz with us here on the Justin Kinner show with Kev Nash. He'll be hanging out with us every Tuesday at four 30. We're excited to have him here real quick. Jason, I want to go back uh, to the NFL real quick. Uh, you know, it's a lot of eyes are on Joe Burrow in Cincinnati. We got to see another rookie quarterback uh, kind of make his debut at the last second over the weekend. in Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert, despite his great performance uh, in a loss to, you know, to Kansas City, he's still not the starter moving forward. What more does Justin Herbert have to do, and why is he not the starter in a day and age where when teams draft rookie quarterbacks so high, they're instantly thrown out into the fire? Why is this situation different? Well, I, I don't know that it should be, but I will say as much as we've talked today already about COVID, I mean, the inability to get the normal number of reps does play into player development, right? So quarterback development I, I don't have a problem with somebody being patient in that department however he looked so good last week and he seemed to have a, a control of the offense when he didn't even know he was going to be playing so I don't know why you don't play him because what do you see for Cincinnati I mean uh, yes Joe Burrow is going to take his lumps I think Joe Burrow is not going to be a good quarterback he's going to be a great quarterback I think he is a spectacular franchise caliber quarterback that should have been after his year last year at LSU talked about the same way we talked about Andrew Luck he was that good and, and I, I think he was spectacular in his, his last year there. So, you know, I, I, I look at Justin Herbert, and I'm thinking, all right, if you want the opportunity to evaluate him, it's a very good football team talent-wise. I mean, it was supposed to be good enough that Brady would want to go there instead of Tampa. So they've supposedly got the talent. I don't know why you would be hesitant with him as long as he knows the playbook. And I can buy the argument that he doesn't, but then he went in against the Chiefs and showed that he does. So I think it's a mistake uh, by the Chargers, frankly, and, you know, for a team that's working their way into the market in a new stadium and trying to get people to care about them, I think having that young quarterback out there would be a help for them from a business standpoint and from a football standpoint. So I think it's a huge mistake. No, absolutely. You talked about Joe Burrow, but Justin Herbert in just one start, I thought looked more impressive in his one start against the defending Super Bowl champions than we've seen from Joe Burrow, who a lot of people here in the Dayton, Cincinnati area are super high on for obvious reasons. And I have to agree with you. I think he's going to be great, but I don't think he's looked as sharp. But I think that says more about the pieces around him or lack thereof um, as far as that's concerned with Joe Burrow. Sorry, I, we talk a lot of Joe Burrow, Jason. I'm getting lit up on Twitter and Facebook right now, so that's why I'm laughing. But uh, Joe Burrow, was the struggles for him so far, is it more team reasons than his reasons, correct? Yeah, I think that a thousand percent. Look, the, the struggles for Joe Burrow, one, is that they have a terrible offensive line, and we all know that. And two, I think he's still working out the timing, right? You know, he makes smart decisions, really smart, intuitive decisions. And that's, I think, the part of it you, know, you can't always coach. That's the part of it that you see from him in the game, and he can make every stinking throw in the book. And he's athletic. So 
I think those are all huge positives. He just has to learn the speed of the game. And again, without without the preseason reps, I, I, I mean, I can't over oversell how important that is to a young uh, a young player in general. I think for every single fan base, look at your first round picks this year and just acknowledge for your first and second round picks that are expected to get a lot of playing time. Like it's going to take till week five or six before you really get to see much on them. But uh, you know, yes, absolutely. I think Burrow has the opportunity to be great. The Bengals now just have to do the right thing, which is build an offensive line around them. And frankly, they haven't. They've spent the money. They just haven't done it the right way in the past. So they've got to get it figured out. Yeah, hundred sixty million dollars in the off season, and you ignore the number one issue on your team, which is offensive line. When you go and get your guy, uh, the Bengals they have more problems up top. Joe Burrow, he has his work cut out for him. He has his work cut out for him. So as far <laughs> as that goes, started. Yep, you got me started. <laughs> Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio host of Spain and Fitz weeknights from seven to nine, right here on Dayton's ESPN Radio station fourteen ten Wing AM. Jason, thanks so much. We're looking forward to hanging out with you every Tuesday. Going to be a blast, guys. I really appreciate it. Stay safe. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Later. Take care.